Welcome to the Financial Planners South Africa podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically in South Africa. To join a global community of financial advisors, sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion, people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. AssetMap is a proud sponsor of this podcast. Are you looking for the next big thing in advisor technology? AssetMap is used by thousands of financial advisors to help create more meaningful conversations with clients. See for yourself how AssetMap is leading the next phase of financial advice delivery. Learn more at asset-map.com forward slash Louis for special listeners discount. This episode is proudly brought to you by Alan Gray. They say it's important to live for today. Although that might be true, we can't forget to plan for tomorrow. There's a lot of it left, after all. Alan Gray is an authorized financial services provider. Visit www.alangray.co.za to learn how we build long-term wealth for clients. Welcome to another episode of Financial Planners South Africa. Today, I'm really excited to have my friend Johan Vosluer join us all the way from Berlin. Johan is the co-founder of Comspace, which is one of the main products from Headspace Technologies, and they run a revenue analytics provider for the last six years. And today, we're just going to have a chat about how Comspace came alive, how it's grown over the last six years from a one-man show to a bigger team, what that journey has been like, and what Johan sees going on in the financial services industry, the things that are working, the things that are not working. Johan, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, Louis, great being here. Thanks for inviting me. Johan, you were one of the guests that has been you know, it's been on my list for a long time to talk to you specifically because you have so much clarity around what it is that you tackle in your business. You know, running a business and a team of 25 people, there's a lot of demands on your time. How do you go about finding those true north elements, the things that, you know, you really want to be spending your time on? Oh, Louis, if I had, if I had all the answers, um, I'd probably be sitting on a yacht somewhere sipping margaritas, right? So <laughs> I certainly don't. I can tell you, I can talk a little bit about a few things that that works for us. And, and then, you know, we're learning and changing and improving all the time. So, yeah, I mean, six years ago, it was literally me. And then shortly after, Marta, my partner, joined. And it was the two of us. And and now we're 25. So in, in growing um, a bootstrap business over six years, you, you kind of – need to in self-defense figure out quickly you know what works what doesn't work how to attract the right type of people um to to kind of achieve what you want to achieve look there's lots of little things i could own on but i, I let me focus on a few of the big things first thing is uh, that worked for us and we kind of we didn't realize initially how important this was but we kind of quickly realized how important it was and it's now one of our core principles is is a is a is an incredible laser focus on on building and maintaining an, a, a great company culture you know gone are the days of 
people being um, satisfied for 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 you know over over the duration to work in a at, at a workplace where they're not being challenged, where they don't feel respected, where they don't feel that they actively contribute to the success of the company, where they don't believe in what the company is trying to achieve to begin with. Those things are more and more and more coming to the fore and more and more people are realizing the importance of that. And and salary is important always, but it's it becoming more of a hygiene factor. And those other things have always been important, but people are just realizing the important a lot, importance a lot more. Now, both I think Marta and I were lucky that both of both of us are the product of a fairly long career in the in the corporate world where I think the most valuable things we learned was, you know, how not to <laughs> build a small business. Uh, what are the things to avoid? And one of the things to avoid is micromanagement and expecting people to only do a very small, very specific, very, very de- defined thing. We found the flip side of that, treating people like intelligent, um, caring, out-the-box thinking individuals that they generally are, treating them like that, sitting down with them, jointly come up with with goals and targets and expectations, and then letting them getting on with achieving that um, has been an absolute um, winning recipe for us. Johan, the business that you run has a recurring income stream. And so in your industry, they talk about software as a service. And for me, that resonates quite closely because a lot of financial services business have a recurring income stream. How do you manage that type of business differently from one where you know you you're starting your sales at zero every month? Look, it was very intentional when when I wanted to when I wanted to start a business and, and start something. I always liked the idea of building a a, uh, an, an, a recurring or or an annuity income stream. Uh, I I used to be in in the space where we did. A project work and consulting for 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 corporates, and it's always like a project basis, and it's it's a big project, and there's a big you know there's a big payoff if the project is successful, but then you know yes the duration is a bit longer, but at the end of it you started you know at zero again, and you need to find the next project and the next thing, um, and that never appealed to me. Um, I was always um, much more into um, trying to build something that's sustainable, small, incremental. A recurring revenue gains that you work on increasing month over month over month. Um, to me, that's uh, that's the definition of a of building a, a a business that's got longevity, that's sustainable, that gives you the breathing room and the space to think and plan and operate. If every month, every day, every every start every new month, you start from scratch, you essentially in kind of you know. Hunt, hunt, you know, eat what you kill mode, you know, self-defense survival mode, and you and you and you very reactionary then, and you very um, predatory almost, uh, if if that makes sense. Whereas if you work hard at it and you can survive, because it is tough to survive the first few years, but if you can survive to get past the point where you've now built up a bit of a nice stable annuity income stream, that really opens the door for you to be much more intentionable, intentionable, <laughs> intention, <laughs> operate with much more intent um, towards um, and think with much more uh, uh, clarity what it is that you want to um, attain, where you want to go, what direction you want the business to move into. So, so for for those reasons, for me, it's it's an absolute no brainer to to bite the bullet because it is hard. It often is very hard when you're starting from from nothing. But, but but to bite the bullet and work very intentionally to building up that annuity-based income stream business, um, to me, that's it's the only type of business I'd ever want to build. 
before we started this recording, you mentioned to me that you want to have a calm business and you want to return to that calm. And what I'm hearing you say is that these are the elements that are contributing to a calm business. Why is having a calm company important? It's again something that, you know, a lesson that I've learned and then I forget it and I relearn it again the hard way. Um, just last year, um, we, we started, um, we, we had reached a place, uh, what can I say? A place where we where we had built up a, a, a bit of momentum. We had a, you know, we had a nice team going. Our product had reached a nice stable uh, platform. Uh, we were working just gradually, exp- ex- you know, taking more market share, expanding the business. But then uh, it so happened that two new opportunities came our way last year to to partner with some other people and 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 start building two brand new products and two brand new businesses. It, the timing was right, and we went at it. In hindsight, we probably could have timed it a little bit better and maybe not taken on both at approximately the same time. But I'm not regretting it. It's it's, it's going great so far. What it did the, what it did do, though, because we didn't think about it and plan as, as, as well as we probably could have and should have, is it led to um, us moving away from a, from a place where we were we had time to think and we were deliberate about what we're doing to, to becoming just very reactionary and very kind of just putting out fires and trying to keep up and trying to deliver and, and things like that. And it got bad because at the, by the end of last year, a whole bunch of us were just spending a whole lot of times in meetings and planning and, and trying to, you know, keep all the balls in the air. And I spent the last uh, uh, few weeks over the, over the holiday period just reflecting and, and reorganizing and rethinking and, and re-strategizing now the start of January with my management team. Uh, and we're going to do things all whole lot differently this year. We're going to return to this principle of a calm company. A calm company for us is, you know, no more than 40 hours a week, no evenings and weekends as a rule, not always just pushing, 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 but taking breaks, taking taking time to 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 celebrate, you know, achievements and milestones, um, being more deliberate and careful about planning the next steps. Um, and that's definitely we're returning to that to that philosophy this year in a big way. Uh, we've already cut down on a whole bunch of meetings. Meetings are just poison, right? Um, it's so tempting to just say, ah, I think I want to discuss something with somebody. Let's have a quick 30 minutes about it. But those add up, right? And they 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 they, they generally time sinks and time wasters. So cutting out a lot of that. Returning to, we, we're, we're a pretty much a remote company anyway, uh, but not like like most people, like a lot of people since the start of uh, lockdown last year. Or what, last year? Year before. Good grief, it's 2022 already. So, so, so using using technology and using online tools allows us anyway um, the flexibility to to leverage what we call asynchronous communication. That means um, we don't have to pick up the phone or schedule a meeting or or have that synchronous, direct, real time communication about everything all the time. A lot of the things that we want to communicate internally, we can do asynchronously, which means using stuff like Slack uh, or other asynchronous tools where. Where uh, communication tools where we send each other messages, ask questions, share information, but the recipient doesn't always have to immediately respond or immediately consume the information that's being shared, right? Um, so we we um, we're working hard on on making sure that that doesn't become a thing that people don't feel the pressure of always be online, always be around, and always being reactive, um, you know, instantly, because uh, that just breaks people's flow and and break their concentration and and doesn't allow them to to um, you know, get in the flow and, and, and be productive on the on the tasks that they're busy with at the time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 
mean, Cal mm. Newport talks about the deep work and carving out time. And what I'm hearing is with that intentionality of where to spend your time, you can actually work on the things that are important to you, but also then celebrate it when you reach those elements. I'm wondering if the financial service industry, you know, specifically smaller and medium-sized businesses, are actually celebrating these milestones enough. I know that you deal with a lot of businesses and you help them to look at their income streams and, you know, some might call it commission and some might call it revenue. Do you see that companies celebrate enough? Um, financial services um, and financial advice practices is a very interesting breed <laughs> of folks. And, and, it's, and, and I, I'll say that with, late, with great, actually, admiration because I think it's no secret that, that the industry is the industry. I don't actually use, like using that word. Let's call it the profession. It's probably more apt. The financial, you know, financial services, financial advice profession is 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 relatively new. You know, it's it's only been around 30, 40 years max, right? The whole notion of a financial advisor only started, I think, in the 80s, really, in the US, something like that. So it's it's not very very old. And 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 initially, unfortunately, and it's very true, there's a lot of that um focus on selling, selling, selling products, uh, meeting targets. And that was the only thing that there was. And unfortunately with that, there's nothing wrong in that in and of itself, obviously. But unfortunately with that came came this quite, um, at least from, from my perspective as, a, you know, as, a, as an outsider, it came this um, um, kind of a snake oil salesman, uh, Pulismos reputation, and some of it, unfortunately, was you know was 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 really earned uh, by by some of the early practices and way of doing things. I think what's happening now, uh, it's in interesting times for the for the for the profession as as a whole. Look, there's always going to be products, right? There's always going to be financial intru- instruments being provided by big insurance companies, investment houses, and that, and that will always be there, but. Um, I think the industry is really maturing or the profession is really maturing t- to become more focused holistically on people's needs um, at working a l- really w- walking a path with with clients uh, you know being aware of their whole life situation not just focusing on um, solving uh, a, a very specific part of their financial, needs with, with particular products. I think that, that that shift, that focus is really permeating the whole industry. I mean, it's 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 on all it's on all the conferences and all of it. it's a, it's, a, it's a big talking point. But I think it's really happening. Um and and um and, and it's a good thing. Uh, it, it's a it's a it's a good thing. Some 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 environments, some industries or or some territories rather, um and I I hate picking on my 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 Australian friends, but I can only shake my head if I see what's happening in Australia, for example. Um, I think the the intentions there were were really you know honest, and it was really aimed at at curbing some of the bad practices and bad habits from the past. But my you know again as an outsider, just opinion is that the regulators there just went too quick, too fast, too far, and really kind of almost dealt dealt a death blow to that to the financial advice profession in, in Australia. Those guys really had to dance on their toes and um and you know eventually it will probably settle again. It'll be it'll be better and, and the aftermath will it will be good. But I think it was a bit quick, it was a bit rough. In South Africa, I I, I there's a lot you can fingers you can point at South Africa at the kind of structures and government structures and and things that doesn't always, you know, seem to work so well. But but honestly one of the things that seems to work 
be working not not bad at all is the pace and the involvement that the South African regulators in the financial service industry are taking and the, and the stance that they're taking and saying, look, we're not going to unilaterally force down um, global sweeping changes on the profession. Um, we're involving people. It's a discussion. It's going to be a multi-year uh, transition to kind of phase out some of the, some of the you know, not so great things of, of, of our past and, and phase in more sustainable, more healthy and holistic things. So, so all in all, I think it's financial advice practice in South Africa. Their biggest challenges, they've got great opportunities. Their biggest challenges, they must, they must not see the changes. Even the compliance, which sometimes feels a bit onerous and, and a bit um, laborious, they mustn't see it as a, as a bad thing, as a negative thing. They, must, they should embrace it and see it as an opportunity. It weeds out chances and, and people that's in it for to make, try and make a quick buck. And so, so it weeds out that whole plus a lot better than it did in the past. And it allows them to focus on and, and, and grow up and mature as a, as a, as a, as a profession and as a, as a professional career. You can see it. I, 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 I never saw this before, but the last few years, it's, it, I'd probably say the last two years, the amount of youngsters in, entering the industry, going to, to study a, a financial um, advice-focused degree at university even. I mean, that's so encouraging to me. Um, I think it's, it's fantastic. It's just signs that this, this, this profession is finally coming out of its terrible, terrible teens <laughs> phase and started, to, started to, 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 to operate like a, like, a, like a young, responsible adult, in the, <laughs> if I can use that analogy. Does that make sense? I'm so excited to hear that because I'm seeing the same thing and the certified financial planner designation has almost become the ticket to enter the game. You know, that is what you need to get before you start delivering advice where we're so mm. used to doing it the other way around. You know, you do this while you may be delivering products. Can you see any shift in the data? If you look at, you know, the revenue, and I'm sure you don't look at specific companies, but maybe in aggregate, are you seeing any shifts in the way advisors are charging for their advice? Maybe the types of solutions or products? Um, yeah, tell us what you're seeing. Look, it, it, it's a little bit hard because we only obviously have the data that in aggregate that we can look at in our, on our client database. Uh, you know, across across our client base, uh, and we and like you say, we never really focus on any particular client, but we do look at the aggregates, and 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 it may be a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy because we seem to tend to more easily and most more readily attract the type of advice practice which is already intentional intentional about providing a a, a more sustainable professional better manageable, you know, um, service and, and build a, 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 a more robust business anyway. So so maybe the data we have isn't entirely represent, representational of the entire country, but what I can talk about is what we see across our client base. So what I see across our client base is there's definitely a trend towards um, building more sustainable annuity-based businesses. Now, of course, that helps a little bit with the whole move towards RDR. People are proactively moving away from um, um, trying to sell products that that's got big upfront um, payouts, uh, and they they opting often cases voluntarily to to a more spread out um, you know as long as the client uh, is on the books and and as long as the client um, keeps up with that product them earning with the you know as long as the client ke- keeps utilizing that thing there, there definitely seems to be a shift towards that which which I think is you know resonates personally obviously with me. 
liking the whole idea of a of a annuity based um, steady steady growth business that that resonates with me a lot, and and we can definitely see a, a bit of a shift and a trend towards towards that. Um, yeah, but like I said. Uh, there's definitely pockets still, um, I think, um, where it's just all about product, and that will always be there, right? And there's always place for people who focus, who are product specialists, and they they focus on providing products and not don't focus so much on the advice, which also I think is 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 interesting to um, to see where this will pan out in 10, 20 years. Uh, also looking at what is happening in other countries, I think that's going to be interesting. But but generally speaking, across our client base, definitely uh, more of a focus towards sustainability, more of a holistic focus on clients. People use our software a lot for, for doing what we call client segmentation or client revenue-based segmentation to, to understand you know, what's the whole coverage, what's the whole spread, uh, are, we, are, are there any gaps that we haven't addressed with our clients and, and that they can very easily pick it up through, through just looking at, um, uh, at the information that comes from us. Um, and we're starting to see practices leveraging that type of capability more and more and more, which again to me is just a sign of a more of a profession that's becoming gradually more sophisticated and more professional and more intentional about what they want to do. Yuan, you kind of alluded there to the kind of product distribution role that some advisors fulfill. And I'd love to talk around that, comparing it to robo-advisors or electronic solutions and someone with a heavy technology background and an engager of technology. Like, what is your take on robo-advisors? Are they working? Like, <laughs> What needs to change for them to work? And so just tell me your experience and yeah, what you're thinking about them. Louis, again, I can only really talk from, from my perspective, right? So, 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 it shouldn't come as a surprise that I, I really love technology, all forms of technology, but particularly software. You know, uh, to me, there's something really magical about uh, taking these virtual Lego blocks, you know, and putting them together to craft something that you know that's functional and that adds value and that makes people's lives easier, gives them some time back in their day, and and do it in a more automated, repeatable. Uh, way than what somebody can do manually. I, I I love that. I mean, that's that's the crux of why I love technology and 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 software and developing software in particular. That being said, um, I'm unfortunately not on the train where, uh, like some of my peers, which we, we, we uh, seem to be, which is um, everything eventually will be, you know, robots. You know, AI will provide you with you know all the advice you would need. Uh, eventually we'll get to a place where where an algorithm will tell you everything that you need in terms of financial advice and and the, and the person will be you know the, the the financial advisor as we know it today will will become it I'm not on that train I tell you why I'm not on that train we're people <laughs> people will be people and people aren't predictable I, you know they, they yeah there's broad patterns but people are individualistic. And people want to deal with another person, and and more importantly, and 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 more and more, um, I see it more and more. People want to deal with people that they get on with. You know, years ago, it was you know, it didn't really matter who the insurance salesman was, the products salesman or salesperson was. It's just somebody that you went to go to go buy life insurance. You didn't have a relationship with this person. It didn't really matter. It matters more and more and more. The world is getting more complicated. There's a lot more options. There's a lot more. It's a whole brave new world of NFTs and Web3 and Bitcoin. 
but but even before you layer all of that stuff on top of it, the world has gotten smaller. People want to see the world. They want to live different lives. They want to uh, different careers, do different things, have multiple streams of income. Everything, everything about that is just more diversification. Um, computers are really good at taking a whole bunch of stuff that's that's very similar and understanding that and coming up with a pattern for that. But we, we people, we humans, we're very good at mucking up those patterns, right? Because we change our minds, sometimes in a very short space of time, sometimes due to changes in technology, the work we think we earn, we live changes. And I don't see technology ever, it's probably a very long time, but let's say in the foreseeable future, 20, 30, 50, probably 100 years from now, I don't see technology being able to replace the the role of what I think a good financial advisor should be, which is that trusted partner almost that you walk a road with, you know, that knows your kids' names and knows what's important to you and knows what your goals are and what your desires are and what your wants. And I don't see a I don't see technology replacing that. What I do see, which is incredibly exciting, uh, and I and I and I and I can't wait for more financial advisors to embrace this. I see better and better technology be, becoming available and coming online to help advisors to eliminate the grunt work. You know the the stupid repetitive things which we used to employ an army of people uh, in the past to do, technology is really good at automating away that stuff. And that they should be leveraging technology for. And all that, that and the reason they should be leveraging technology for, for that stuff is in order to give them more time back to get to that thing which a computer cannot do, which is that, you know, that relationship with the clients. Uh, and understanding where their needs are and, and act as a mentor and act as an advisor and act as a uh, that you can't do. But technology is there for to leverage to to take care of a lot of the other things, give more time back, raise the bar in terms of consistency, accuracy, uh, transparency of information. Uh, you know, just one example of of, uh, of of what people use us for. I mean, there's a whole, whole bunch of things that people use our software for, but one big thing is it's just to Make it very transparent to everybody in the business. What is all the all the money that comes into the business in terms of commission, or or, or providing direct advice to clients, or or, or a fee on investment advice? All of those various sources of income. Just to use technology to make it transparent and know and trust that software is um, dealing with that in an automated, consistent, repetitive trustworthy way and 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 just making it transparent to everybody to see this is this is what it looks like that's coming in this is how we're dividing it up this is how we're allocating it and and before people used to spend two weeks three weeks and some people still do <laughs> of a month on spreadsheets trying to kind of wrangle those things and that's such a bad bad waste of people's time you know that's the type of stuff where technology is really making a difference not I don't think it's a threat to uh, financial advisors at all. The only financial financial advisors, in quotes, I think it should be threatened by technology and advances in technology um, and by robo-advisors and robo-advice is people who are purely 100% just product sales focused. They probably going to have to involve the quickest and they're going to have to pivot the hardest to find a role that allows them to leverage that and still add value. Because the the I think the um, the really commodity parts, you know, investment advice used to be a bit of a, you know, crystal ball gazing. Uh, people depended on you know years of experience, and the 
that's computers are getting better at predicting those things, right? Better than what people uh, can ever do it. So, so, so those people, I think, will have to to move and and shift and and move with the um, advanced technology a lot quicker and a lot harder. But I think it's a it's I think there's never been a better time to be a people oriented whole life focused financial advisor than than and right now than today. That human first approach, I think, is what we hear so often what we experience with our clients and some of the things that you're talking about is leveraging technology in your practice and you mentioned that you make use of asynchronous communication i want us to maybe unpack that a little bit imagine a practice listening to this where they want to say okay we know that we need to focus on things we want to avoid this kind of busy work the constant communication we want to embrace technology where do we start with asynchronous communication? Look, for me, uh, the thing that, that, that worked for us um, really well is to say internally, we don't email each other internally. And we don't pick up the phone and, and, and increasingly now, we don't have meetings if it's not really, really necessary. Once you've sat down and you've formalized your goals, and if you, if you do this on a regular, fairly regular basis and have, you know, it's all about relatively frequent, and by say relative, I mean it's going to be different from business to business and place to place, right? But let's say relatively frequent, every two weeks, every month or so. Get, uh, maybe some people will be once a quarter only. It depends, but but get together, review that we that we achieve what we set out to achieve for the last cycle for the last period, and if we did great, if we didn't, let's try and see what went wrong and let's try and fix to, uh, and improve on, on, on what didn't work. And then together plan for the next cycle, set out the goals, measurable goals, measurable um, outcomes, and then and then allow people to get on and achieve those goals. And then the communication then, what we do, like we use a tool called Slack internally. I've mentioned this a bunch of times on, on other platforms. It, it doesn't have to be Slack, but for us, uh, Slack works great because it's a text-based chat tool internally. Think WhatsApp for groups, but but it allows us to to communicate with each other asynchronously. I can send a message to somebody. They know, everybody in our teams know, you don't have to respond to it right now. Um, they, they read to it, they'll get to it when, 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 when they get to it and they'll respond. Sometimes it's just an FYI. Sometimes it is, a, I need some, something from somebody. But nine times out of 10, I don't need the answer right now. <laughs> if I do need to answer right now, I'll say so. If I really do need to answer right now, then I will pick up the f- phone in air quotes. You know, we use tools like Slack's built-in calling or or Zoom calls or whatever if we want to, really wanted to, to, to do calls. But but for the most part, it's once you've set the goals and everybody knows what they're working towards for the next period or the next cycle, the amount of communication that you need then to do to, to get to it actually starts to reduce. Um, if you're clear about what everybody is, and everybody is clear what they need to achieve, then the amount of back and forth that you need, that high bandwidth level of communication that you need to get there, that that becomes less. You know that that decreases, and for that, then asynchronous communication really you know comes into its own because then it's only really about you know the small the small nuts and bolts things that you need because there's always obviously some you know, a level of communication, but. Once you've got those in place, and if you, if you let's say, if, if it's a team that works in a particular area, for instance, our onboarding team that onboards new clients, they use a, a, a cloud-based CRM called PipeDrive. PipeDrive is a sales-focused CRM. It's great at that. 
They're the only team that really uses it in anger, but for them, it's fine. They live in pipe drive. You know, it's got activities that they raise and that they assign to each other. They can they can set pipe drive to automatically create new activities uh, as follow up actions when when, it's, when a particular task is completed, and they they leverage that thing to the hilt, um, which means things don't fall between the cracks or, or, or much less often than, than it would have. But otherwise, they, there's much less need for that synchronous communication for calling and talking and and, and definitely not emailing. Uh, so so I think there's, there's such exciting – and there's lots of tools, uh, tools, right? That's just a couple of examples of what we use. But there's, there's, such, there's such, such a wide array of technologies available now for financial advisors and financial advice practice as well for the internal process, for the internal workings to leverage things like this to once they've done the goal setting and once they've got that regular review process and improvement process going um, to just use this, these forms of asynchronous communication and, and get away from, um, you know, spending so much time in, you know, direct uh, synchronous communication. It's wonderful to hear how your business engine operates you know, and how this is a well-oiled machine. And yes, there might be times where it needs servicing and there might be, you know, might might require an engineer or someone with a hammer mm. to come and fix something. But you're improving this, you know, this vehicle. I'm curious, what are the sources that inspire you? Who are the people that you look up to and where do you go to find, you know, that inspiration? Huh. <laughs> You ask me quickly, but if I have to go to, if I have to give you a stream of consciousness consciousness answer, I'd probably say off the top of my head, probably three different sets of people. Um, the first, and it's been the, my longest and con- most continuous and steadfast source of inspiration in my life, is my is my dad. It's my father. Um, he is 76, 77, I think. Um, but fortunately, he is deathly scared of retirement. So he says, you know, people die of that thing. So he doesn't, you know, he, he still keeps busy. So so he's still still sharp as a as a whip, right? And and uh, he's been my longest source of inspiration. Or uh, and 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 um, and I go to 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 him for advice and just to bounce things off of him. A lot of the things that I bounce off of him, you know, he's not really in the game anymore. He doesn't really understand the nuts and bolts. But it doesn't matter. He can still have. The high level conversation asked somehow has that knack of asking, you know, just the right questions and just probing me and, and stimulating me to think in the right way. So that's a big source for me. Uh, another, and then another, uh, completely on a different scale, uh, and this might come across as a bit of a cliche, but I'm a, I'm a huge um, Elon Musk fan, <laughs> and and Elon Musk isn't perfect, right? I mean, he's, he's there's lots of criticisms of uh, you know the way he. Uh, he can be hard on, on 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 people in his team sometimes, all of that. But some of the things that I admire about Elon, and that that's a source of inspiration for me, is he never accepts the status quo. If he looks at the industry, when when he you know when in early days of SpaceX, for instance, everybody the conventional wisdom was you know building your own rockets is you know, nobody does that. You 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 go to the big. And the only there was like you know really wanted one or two sources of people that were building rockets. So so they got on a plane. Him and his team they flew to Russia. And they wanted to go buy old secondhand Soviet rockets, right? I don't know if you know the story, but um, they got there. They had a discussion with the guys. The the Soviets wanted X amount for the rockets. Elon said no, that's too much. It doesn't. It's not going to make economical sense for us. Uh, we want to pay less. And in, in long story short, they they ended up not coming to agreement. So they got on the plane 
back without a deal, empty-handed on the plane back to the U.S. And his whole team was despondent and down and what the hell are we going to do now? You know, now we <laughs> got a dead of the water. Elon was sitting there scribbling on a, on a, on a, on a pad, making some, and halfway th- across the Atlantic somewhere, he looked up, he said, guys, we can build our own rockets. I think we can do it. And everybody laughed and they thought, you know, fat joke. And, and, and he said, no, no, I really think we can. Um, uh, X, Y, Z. Yeah. I've planned out. And nobody had the insight or the, you know, even thought along those lines because it's not, it's not, it just wasn't done, you know. And it was just it's such, such a great example of me of he just doesn't let conventional ways of wisdom, conventional wisdom, conventional ways of doing things um, stand in the way of of getting to where he wants to where he wants to get. I don't know how he finds the time of you know, time of the day to do all the things that he does. That's a whole different story. But but that one trait of the character trait of him uh, about. If he wants, if you want to do something, he gets on and he and he does it. That's a new, tremendous source of inspiration for me. It allows, you know, we. I mean, I'm not comparing myself to Elon Musk or what we do at all, and in no way, shape, or form. But but that but that same mentality allows us really to punch above our weight. You know, we're this small upstart, hyper specialized software as a service business in a very specific industry, financial services in a very specific geography, South Africa at this stage only. We haven't yet uh, uh, ex- expanded internationally, although we we are kind of eyeing it a little bit. Um, very specific, but it, and, and then very specifically revenue management. I mean, it's as, it's as niche on top of niche on top of niche as it gets just about. Um, in fact, we're the only company in South Africa, as far as I'm aware, that, that focuses exclusively on revenue management for financial advisors. Nobody else does this very specific niche focus. And, and on, on paper, we've got zero business for um, achieving the things that we're achieving and, and having the type, attracting the type of customers that we're attracting, including banks and big, you know, even even one of the largest insurance companies is um, is approached us now. Uh, it, 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 we've got no business on paper being able to do that, but we've embraced this 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 this, this um, idea that, but why not? Why can't we build a world class solution and a, and a world class product? And why can't we provide, you know, out of this world customer service that nobody else um, kind of offers? Because everybody says no, you can't you can't offer that um, sustainably. It's not financially feasible. And, and we say, well, why not? Um, you know, and we just go for it, and we just do a whole bunch of things that flies in the face of conventional wisdom, and and a whole bunch of that inspiration is from guys like Elon Musk that I look to and say, well, if they can achieve those crazy things, then we can achieve in our space. You know, in a similar vein, we can we can we can try and go for 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 the similar type of actions. And then, lastly, um, um, believe it or not, the people in my own team is a huge source of inspiration for me. I'm learning so much from. And, 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 and this is not just the senior management team, even though I've got an amazing senior management team. It's everybody in the company. There's junior, there's people, there's junior people that walked in the door that had matric, had maybe maybe no job or maybe one job before, had no relevant experience to us at all uh, in our industry. Um, and But they came in the door with, with the two things to, which to me matters absolutely the most, which is great attitude and the right aptitude um and and we said 
we, we think you got what it takes. Come, we'll, we'll teach you the mechanics. That we can teach anybody. But we can't teach somebody to have a great attitude. And we can't teach aptitude. You know, you, you, you come in the door with that or you, you have it or you don't have it. And, and, and seeing how those people operate and how they grow and how they take ownership of, 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 of their domain inside, inside our, our company, what we do, is, is an, and how they are um, – in a short space of time, working themselves up, so to speak, not that we've got a, much of a hierarchy, we've got a pretty flat hierarchy, but just, you know, their impact on the business um, is is such an incredible source of inspiration and, and pride for me personally. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it makes, <laughs> it, it's one of the things that really makes, you know, makes it worthwhile doing, doing, doing what I'm doing um, is, to, to see how this company is being built essentially by the people in it, you know, superseding anything that I could have possibly ever achieved on my own um, is, is that other people operate and come to their own and, and grow and, and contribute. Yeah, that's an incredible sort of inspiration for me. Thank you for that, Johan. It's wonderful to see your passion for your team and, you know, that's coming through this whole conversation. I'm wondering if Knowing what you know now, what would you say to the Johan of six years ago that was just starting out? <laughs> you ask uh, tough questions, Louis. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, let me, while I, while I mull this over, let me say the first thing that comes to mind. I'll tell you what I, I wouldn't do. If I had a time travel machine... And I could jump in it now and go back six years and try and go, go, you know, give myself a pep talk and 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 kind of convey a whole bunch of wisdom about you should do this and you should do that. And I, I wouldn't do it. I, I would not do it. We've done a whole bunch of things right, but we've also made a whole bunch of mistakes. But I'm not. I'm not really um, sad or disheartened or. Are really bummed about any of those mistakes because every one of them was a was a big learning opportunity for us. And every one of them, it's not not every one of them, but most of the things that you know that didn't go great, didn't go turn out as great as we had hoped. There's no way that we would would have been able to learn that if it wasn't through that actual experience. If somebody were to come tell me that, in fact, lots of people t- tells me lots of things, but you know how it is, it, you know, hearing something theoretically. Um, is not the same thing as going through it yourself and and learning for yourself firsthand. So, so I can't really think of something obvious that I would that I would tell. The only thing I guess that if 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 not that I needed to for, clearly because I'm still around and I'm still going at it and, I'm, and it's going great guns and I'm having a blast. But um, there was times early on uh, when you know it was tough. Uh, we were two or three people. We had one anchor client, and pretty uh, early on in the in the in the game, the anchor client, this, you know, they built their own solution internally, and so they they cancelled their account with us, um, which had a big financial impact on us, and just we struggled to pay salary for a month or two, and uh, I, that's probably the closest I came to, you know, at that point of uh, um, to to thinking, oh, what am I doing? Is this how are we ever gonna um, pull this thing through? Fortunately, I had other people in my life at that point, which which told me, "Man, you'll get through this. Put your head down, keep keep going at it. You'll pull through. It'll it'll be fine." So, so if there's anything that I could tell myself back then, it's probably you know you're on the right path. Keep doing what you're doing. It'll be fine. Uh, that's probably the best advice that I would give myself. I I would not have, I would not, I don't think I would do myself the disservice to try and 
spoil the surprise of the journey ahead, you know, uh, good and bad. Does it's wonderful to hear how important this journey is and, and how that's sometimes that's more fun than the actual end destination, right? Oh, absolutely. And you're having a ton of fun with people that you like, serving customers, improving the financial services industry and helping businesses like ours deliver a better service to our clients. Johan, for the people listening that might be based in South Africa, that's curious to see what it is that you're doing with income space, what's the best place to reach you or to learn more about your product? The simplest thing to do is to just go to our website. It's comspace, C-O-M-M-S-P-A-C-E dot C-O dot Z-A. Um, there's a whole, we just spent a whole bunch of money and time and effort to, to kind of rebuild a whole brand new website. So it hopefully does a pretty good job now of, 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 of um, conveying what it is that we do and what's the value add and answering the question, what's in it for me as a financial advice um, practice owner or an advisor or a practice manager or anybody like that. But there's a big, big old uh, a book a demo button, and we've and 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 none other than my fantastic partner Marta will give a live demo um, and have a great discussion. She's incredibly, you know her well. She's incredibly enthusiastic, passionate, really, really knowledgeable. She's got a great knack for in that half an hour, forty-five minute discussion to understand the needs of of the business. You know, really get a good sense of, of, of what people are struggling with and telling them straight out the gate whether we're going to be a good fit and, and be able to add value or not. And, and the best way to just um, um, get all of us is just go to our website, click on the book a demo button, and uh, it gives you an automated calendar thing. You pick a time that's, that suits you and, 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 and pick a time to, to, to have a chat with us. We don't do the free trial thing. We don't do – because we think that, you know, this is this is specialized – this is specialized software and a specialized service that we offer. And, and people don't really, it's not like commodity type software, like an email client or like a CRM system where people kind of know what these things are because there's lots of them in the market. So the, the, the best thing is just to go book a demo, have a chat with us. Let us show you what's possible, what's capable. Ninth, chances are we're going to blow your mind because um, you, you people often remark to us, we never thought something like this existed or that there's software that, that's possible to handle our special way of, of working internally and of handling our revenue. So, so that, I would say, would be the best thing to do. Sign up for a demo. Have a chat. Promise you nobody's going to do a hard sell on you. Um, you may just walk away there with having learned a few things about your own business, even if you don't become a client of ours. Yuan, you built the rocket that you didn't think was possible. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today and sharing your excitement and your passion for your team and what it is that you do. I wish you all the best for your future. Thank you once again. Louis, thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. And um, I just want to say uh, on a different note, I really love what you're doing and, and I'm really proud to know you and watching with keen interest your journey as be can we say you've arrived i think we can say to say to say <laughs> there's safe no to, such thing <laughs> i think it's safe to say you've arrived as south africa's resident rock star financial advisor right so so well done for everything that you do for the profession um everything you do in the fbi this podcast the the, the tech conferences that you organize um well done um, i'm a big big fan and a big supporter of everything you're doing thanks Joanne. bye for now all right. Bye-bye.